Amen. And praise the Lord for that. Open your Bibles if you don't already have them there. Matthew chapter 1 is uh, where we will begin, and then we will bounce over to uh, Luke, Luke chapter 2 here in just a few minutes. But uh, beginning here in Matthew chapter 1, I've enjoyed the songs today, enjoyed the uh, focus on Christmas time. I love Christmas time. I'm sure you do too. And uh, it's a fun time to be able to celebrate our Savior, to be able to uh, look at the birth. And of course, we look at the birth. Uh, we can't help but look beyond the cradle to the cross and uh, consider the reason for uh, that our Savior came. And what a great blessing that that is. And uh, then just all of the other things that surround Christmas, uh, even just in our culture, things that are not necessarily biblical, but uh, you know, being able to get together, spend time with family, the gifts, all the things that uh, just make it a fun time of year is, is special as well. And look forward to all of that and singing the Christmas carols and uh, just all the different things. And then there's one part of it I also enjoy, and that is at Christmas time I start pulling out all my old corny Christmas jokes, and I tell the same ones every year, and everybody gets used to them after a while. And uh, but I like Christmas jokes, and I just don't have enough of them to cycle them every couple of years. So I'm going to tell you my favorite Christmas joke this morning, and uh, then we'll launch right into the Bible and get going. But uh, there were two people; they were, of course, uh, very special people. They were actually perfect. And uh, it was a perfect man and a perfect woman, and the perfect man and the perfect woman met each other, and of course they had a perfect courtship followed by a perfect wedding and then a perfect relationship, and they had a perfect marriage and everything was wonderful. And one day they were driving along in their perfect car, of course a four-wheel drive pickup truck. They were driving along, I figured that might get an amen somewhere, driving along in their perfect car one snowy night. It was actually on Christmas Eve, and they saw somebody standing on the side of the road, and the perfect couple, being perfect, decided to stop and help, and they pulled over, and sure enough, there was Santa Claus with his bag of toys the sleigh had broken down, and being the perfect couple, they didn't want to disappoint all the children on Christmas, and so they uh, loaded Santa Claus into their perfect vehicle, a four-wheel drive pickup truck, and continued along the way. It started delivering toys house to house, trying to be a help, trying to be a blessing. But unfortunately on that night, the first un, uh, un imperfect thing happened. As they were driving, the uh, conditions continued to deteriorate, and they had a wreck. Only one person survived. The question is, don't shout it out if you know it, who was the person that survived? The answer, of course, is the perfect woman. The other two never existed. Everyone knows there's no such thing as a perfect man, and everyone knows there is no Santa Claus. And so obviously the perfect woman is the one who survived. And all the women said, amen. This also explains the perfect woman had to be driving, thus a wreck. And all the men said, Amen. All right, I like that one because it gets to everybody, and everybody gets to be mad equally after the service, so praise the Lord for that. All right, Matthew chapter 1, and uh, just going to read a couple of verses. already uh, seen the bulk of the passage here, but uh, Matthew chapter 1, and just going to look at verse number 20 to get started off this morning. It says, But while he, that's Joseph, thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph. Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. We thank you that we can come to church and we can have fun in church. We can enjoy the fellowship. We can enjoy laughing together. Lord, we thank you that this is a place to be able to rejoice, a place to be able to uh, celebrate not only at Christmas time, but all through the year. And that, Lord, we can celebrate, we can rejoice, we can have fun together because of who you are and because of the fact that you did come. And Lord, I pray this Christmas that you would 
work and move in hearts. Lord, I know Christmas time is an exciting time. It's a fun time. But for some, it is a difficult time. It is a fearful time. And Lord, there are certain challenges, certain uh, difficulties that will be faced over these next uh, few weeks uh, by some, even uh, in our midst. And Lord, some of us may have challenges we don't even recognize in the next few weeks. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we come, not only through this Christmas season, but then throughout this next year in 2020, that you would help us to live confident in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the fact that we don't have to fear. Lord, as you told Joseph, we can uh, not fear, but rather operate in confidence of who you are and the plan that you have for us. Would you help us to accomplish that, which you have for us to do, because of the fact that we can trust you through it all. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's many things this Christmas that uh, perhaps someone could be fearful of. Uh, Sometimes at Christmas season, there's a fear or even a reality of loneliness for many. And uh, as we've heard this morning of uh, the Eustaces and uh, Mrs. Eustace passing on to heaven, what a lonely Christmas uh, that that will be for Brother Eustace. And as we think of just the, uh, those perhaps even in this room, and I don't know uh, who it would be, uh, obviously I don't know a great deal about each of your lives, but a few that uh, maybe as you come to the Christmas season, there's the concern of the loneliness that can be there and uh, some of the heartache that can be there. There can be fear of family. As families come together, it's a good time, a rejoicing time, but but sometimes there can be challenges as well within families and there might be fear of what will take place or something that might be said or a feeling being hurt or uh, whatever it might be. And as we look at Christmas time, it's a time of great rejoicing, but it's also a time to be reminded that as we go through not only this season through life, we don't have to live in fear. And I'm so glad for that. There's four different people or groups that uh, God is going to tell uh, throughout the Christmas story these two words through an angel, fear not. And uh, this Christmas, I just have titled the message, Fear Not This Christmas. And I'm glad that we don't have to fear, but because Jesus came and because he died on the cross and because of who he is, we don't have to live in fear. And this Christmas is a great reminder of that fact. Uh, So let's choose this Christmas season to reject a life filled with fear instead to live a life filled with joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever been fearful about something that you didn't need to be fearful of? Uh, Have you ever been concerned and realized later, you know, I really just had no reason to worry at all? I heard about one lady, she said, I know that worrying works because half the things I worry about never happen. And uh, sometimes that's the way we are. We worry about all these things, we're fearful about these things that never were going to happen in the first place. Uh, One of the great joys and advantages of being a pastor and one of the great joys of being a pastor and preaching when my parents are around is that I get to flip the script just a little bit. There were a lot of times in life where I had to deal with being embarrassed. But now I get to tell stories about my parents. And uh, it's a wonderful thing, a joyful thing. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get to do that, maybe a youth pastor to a teenager who's now in his youth group. I had a youth pastor friend. He said, my kids, uh, they have cried at the wrong times. They've thrown up at the wrong times. They've done all kinds of stuff. And they've embarrassed me for 15 years. And now they're in the youth group, and I'm getting them back, and it's wonderful. And uh, so I enjoy some of that. And I was thinking the other day, you know, when is it uh, that we fear things that we ought not fear? And I couldn't help but think of one Christmas. 
I was just a boy, and uh, I don't remember exactly how old, seven, eight years old, maybe something like that, maybe a little older, and uh, we, uh, at that time, Kmart was still around, and uh, my mom had been in there, I believe that's where it was anyway, and seen something that she wanted, and she saw a gold bracelet, and she said, man, that is such a beautiful bracelet. In fact, uh, it was coming up to Christmas time, and uh, we heard a couple of times about this particular bracelet. It wasn't overly expensive, but uh, just something that she would like to have. And, and it just kind of kept, these hints kept getting dropped, and they kept getting a little more and more non-hint. And uh, before long, uh, she would say, you know, that, that brace is still over there and all that. And so finally one day I was able to go and uh, I remember buying that bracelet, probably one of the first uh, Christmas presents I can remember buying my mom. And I was so excited about that. She kept mentioning uh, this bracelet. And of course, I knew that I was going to give it to her in just a few days. And I was so thrilled about that. And then one day, just before Christmas, she came in wearing the bracelet. And she bought the bracelet she'd been telling us that she wanted because she was worried someone might not think to get it. And uh, she was worried about that, which she didn't have to worry about. Amen? Now, my mom is okay with me telling that story. Just thought I'd clarify that, at least as far as I know. And... uh, I just thought I'd clarify just quickly. Uh, So I want to look today. Sometimes we worry about things, and we even go and act on things, when in reality, we have no reason to worry. And and so often, it's a simple illustration, it's a silly illustration, but you know, so often, that's what we do in things with the Lord. And and we come and we pray, and we say, Lord, uh, would you do this? As we saw the verse a few moments ago, the memory verse, uh, the things we ask, in that verse it talks about, and praying is asking, and we ask believing, and we come to the Lord and we pray and we ask, we say, Lord, would you do this thing? And, and sometimes, though we've asked about it, and though to an extent we trust or we believe the Lord will do, we still start worrying on it. And we start stressing out about these things that we've already prayed about. And it's so easy, is it not, to lay a burden down, and before we even really get done praying, start picking it back up. And all of a sudden we've prayed and we've asked and we've let the Lord know the need and yet we're still carrying the burden. We're still going through worrying about whatever that thing is and really the Lord is saying, hey, fear not. You don't have to live in fear. And so I want you to see uh, four fear nots this morning of the Christmas story. I see here first of all Joseph in verse number 20. It tells us uh, that, that he is told fear not. And I see that Joseph would be the picture of this. When your world is shaken and you've been hurt by people, fear not. Joseph's world has been shaken. Joseph, of course, knows nothing of the whole situation. In fact, perhaps he had been told by this point, and it had gotten to him through the grapevine, uh, that uh, not only was Mary beginning to show that she was with child, but she'd left town and she'd gone to see her cousin Elizabeth, and she was staying there. And perhaps what had come back to Joseph, uh, at least likely, was that she had kind of left town. She's trying to hide this from you. Uh, Obviously, something has happened that you need to be aware of. The Bible tells us Joseph was a just man. And the idea of just is he kept all the law. 
And so he's a Jew. He's a law keeper. Uh, He's going to be careful to keep the law. He knows this is a situation he's going to have to deal with. And they are already in this betrothal period, much stronger than our engagement period. They're legally married, uh, but the uh, marriage has not been, uh, she has not yet moved in with him and uh, things of that nature. And so he has gone back, most likely to his father's house, to build this room on. And when the room is done and his father approves, then he's going to say to him, son, go get your bride. And he's going to go and bring Mary back. And now he finds out, probably as he's coming close to the finishing of that, as the time is coming for him to go and get his bride, that she's apparently been unfaithful. Can you imagine how his world must have been wrecked? Can you imagine how hurt that he must have been in that moment? He he doesn't yet know what's going on, and he knows that there's only one way that someone can be with child. And he loves Mary. We see through the story how greatly he loves her. He would have been justified to bring her out publicly and had her stoned. And he said, I'm not going to do that. I'll put her away privily. I'll deal with great mercy, even though it has to be dealt with according to the law. I'll deal with great mercy because he loves her so deeply. And how his heart must have been broken as this word came. And the Bible tells us here, as he thought on these things. Have you ever wondered what was he thinking about them? Have you ever had one of those times where somebody did something or said something that just especially hurt you? Something that you really didn't maybe even see coming? And all of a sudden, because of those words that were spoken or that action that was taken, it just kept running in your mind. And I wonder if that's not where Joseph was. He's a, a man who's very godly, but certainly he's trying to figure out how am I going to deal with this and, and what's the proper response. And so while he thought on these things, perhaps he was thinking, how could she do this? How could she go? And, and we're so close to being married. We're so close to everything being done. We're so close to the end of this time that we're separated. We're so close. How could she do this? I thought we were in love. I thought this was real. I thought this was, uh, I thought this was going to last. And now it's not even really going to start. And so Joseph's heart is broken. His world has fallen apart. He's been hurt uh, very deeply. And now he's thinking, I have to deal with it. I have to do what's right, even though my heart doesn't want to. I still have to do what's right. And so Joseph is, uh, is in a state of shock, I believe here. He is in a state that is, uh, he's considering and he's thinking and, and he's in this state of shock that Mary could possibly do this. And so he begins to work it through in his mind. And while he's doing all that, while he's thinking on all this, the Lord shows up. Isn't it good when God steps in? And all of a sudden, God steps into the middle of Joseph's problem, into the middle of Joseph's consideration of this whole situation, that which he cannot understand and cannot grasp and is beyond him. God steps in and begins to clarify, and he begins it with, hey, Joseph, you don't have to be fearful. Fear not. Joseph, there's a reason for all this. Joseph, there's a purpose to all this. Joseph, that which seems so devastating to you right now, I'm going to use this in an incredible manner beyond all that you could even begin to consider. And Joseph, this is all the plan of God. You know, sometimes things seem so difficult and they seem so hard in the moment and we wonder, how could God allow this into my life? And and sometimes the question might even be asked, well, I've done all these things for God. How could this be allowed? And from a human reasoning, that's how we reason, that's how we think, but that's not God's thought process. God doesn't look at it as, I've done these things and so therefore I shouldn't have any heartache. No, no, suffering is just part of the Christian life. But in the midst of the suffering, we don't have to fear. 
Oh, it doesn't mean we won't sorrow. It doesn't mean we won't go through hardship. But praise God, we don't have to be in fear in the midst of that. So Joseph's in a state of shock, but then he moves from a state of shock to a state of service. The message from the Lord is delivered. Joseph, uh, go ahead and take her unto you. Go ahead and uh, make this decision. Verse 11, God, uh, excuse me, 21, God clarifies, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. So this is all according to God's plan, all according to his will, all what's supposed to happen. Look at verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. I'm guessing he still doesn't quite understand it all. Because really there's no way to fully grasp all of this. And I don't know, if I was Joseph, I might wake up and think, man, I ate too much pizza before bed. I mean, that was an odd dream. And I'm being told in this dream that this woman that I'm supposed to marry, she's actually still a virgin, but she's also with child. This is odd. And it'd be real easy to wake up and start to question what God had said, but he didn't do that. He moved from a state of shock, a state of how could this possibly happen life but then he came to the word of God the word of God was this is my plan trust me and serve me just go ahead and move forward this is all according to what's supposed to happen and so Joseph said all right then I'll move from a state of shock to a state of service I don't have to understand it all Lord you don't have to explain everything to me but you've given me what I need to know that I'm not being unbiblical to know I'm moving forward Lord I'll just trust you I'll move forward in service for the Lord Jesus Christ and you know sometimes we come to these heartache of life and somebody does something or says something and it really is God's will for our life but it does not feel like God's will is very good and God says look you're not going to understand it all so don't try to understand everything just start serving take me at my word trust me I'm doing what's right in your life and I'm not doing what's right because you understand it I'm doing what's what's right because I am God so trust the fact that I'm God So we see that he moves from a state of shock to a state of service and then to a state of sacrifice. What a willingness to serve to the point that perhaps he still doesn't fully grasp everything. He he doesn't fully grasp all of the eternal reality of what is taking place in his little home. But in the midst of all of this, he's willing to sacrifice for God. You know, there was a sacrifice for him to go ahead and take Mary. There was a sacrifice for him to uh, do, as it says in verse 25, and nor not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. There was a sacrifice in much of this, but Joseph was careful to protect the picture, uh, not just the picture, the reality of what God had done. He never allowed anything that would cast any question on the virgin birth. And the doctrine was very clear. The doctrine was preserved. Nobody could ever question what had happened. Joseph was willing to just be faithful. So here's a man that we see and God tells him, fear not. And the picture would be this. Hey, when you get hurt in life and when there's problems that arise and when you don't understand it and your whole world is shaken, fear not. God will still keep his word. God will still be faithful. We see here Joseph. And then next, we see if you'll bounce with me over to Luke and we'll be in Luke the rest of the time. And beginning in Luke chapter 1, 
We find another part of the Christmas story that uh, is exciting. It's a a fun part of the story. It happens a little bit before uh, all of this. And in verse number uh, 13 is where we'll uh, pick up when you get there. Uh, But we find a man named Zacharias that God is going to speak to as well. And, uh, of course, the forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist, will be his son. And in Luke chapter 1, in verse number 13, it says, But the angel of the Lord said unto him, that's Zacharias, Fear not, Zacharias. For thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Joseph is a picture of the times where life is shaken and everything seems to be uh, falling apart. But Zacharias is a picture of not fearing when our faith is tested. Not necessarily life is falling apart, just do we trust God in this area? Um, do we trust God to do what he said that, we will do, that he would do? Uh, do we trust God enough to allow our life to just be a blank check written to him on the balance of my life? Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, however you want, me to, want to use me, whatever your plan is, I'm okay with, uh, are we willing to say that? Are we willing to just trust God absolutely and completely when our faith is tested and when God's plan seems difficult to understand? Then we fear not. You know, we all come here, don't we? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. So God brings us all right up to the edge of the precipice and we feel like we're going to fall and we feel like everything's not going to work. And then he says, step. And we say, but Lord... I don't see anything to step on. You ever been there? He says, no, 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 you don't need to see it, just step. And sometimes we say, okay, and we take a step. Praise the Lord, it worked. And all of a sudden, life's exciting, and it's thrilling, and we saw God do the impossible, and man, it's exciting. Have you ever been there, and God said, step, and you said, Lord, I just don't think I can this time. And you step back. You know what it seems like? God says, okay. But I'm going to wait till you're willing to go there and step before I show you anything else. And I'm going to wait till you're willing to take that step before I'm going to do anything else. So you don't have to step because God allows us uh, to be able even to step him, which is an incredible thought that he gives us free will in that sense. But he also says the blessings are not going to be there until you trust me. And he brings us all to this place of life. He brings us all to the place we say, I don't know if I can really do that. I don't know if I can trust that. And and usually we say it like this, I know God can do that. I just don't know if he will for me in this situation. And what God wants us to do is say, I know God can. I don't know exactly what he's going to do. But I know that if he's the one telling me to step, he will do what he says he will do. So if I know, I pray oftentimes, I've prayed much these last weeks, Lord, uh, you know I'm not smart enough to figure everything out. You know I'm fairly simple. I need you to make it clear. But if you'll make it clear enough, I know what your will is, I'll do anything you tell me to do. And Lord, I I just have to know you want me to take a step. I have to know that you want me to to, to whatever, that it's a step of faith and not foolishness. and, And I have to know your plan. But if you'll tell me, I'll do it. 
You know, that's really the attitude that God wants every Christian to live. And I can tell you, I'm not perfect in that. I don't do that every time. Uh, But that's the way that we ought to live our whole life in every decision. Lord, if you'll just make it clear, I don't have to understand it. I don't have to see it. I don't have to grasp it. I'll do it just because you said. And that's where Zacharias is. God comes to him here uh, through the stage. And he says to him, hey, Zacharias, you guys are going to have the baby you've been praying for. Aren't you excited? And we see here that it's a prayer answered. It's a thrilling thing. The baby would be a direct answer to their prayer. They have been looking forward to this. And, and I can tell you as a, a, a family ourselves who have tried to have children and not been able, what an exciting thing it is when you've been praying for that baby and God hasn't blessed. And then all of a sudden God does bless. And what a thrilling thing. For us, he blessed through adoption. Sometimes he does that after years of being married and a family will have a baby. Oh, man, it's thrilling. It's exciting. And so you'd think Zacharias would say, wow, praise the Lord. Instead, he says, um, there's a problem. So we see the prayer answered, but then we see uh, a problem that arose. The problem was there was a concern about their age. And the concern about their age created a lack of faith, created doubt. And he begins to try to figure it all out. God said, I'm not telling you this so you can figure it all out. I'm telling you this so that you can just trust that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And you know the story. We're not going to get all the way to there. He's not going to end up being able to talk for a while. And he's going to have to, can you imagine having to make the announcement of the baby you've been praying for for all of these years by writing it on a little whiteboard? I know there wasn't a whiteboard, amen? But, but that's kind of what I picture. I mean, I just picture him standing there. I mean, wow, you'd want to be able to yell out the news. You'd want to be able to, to call all your friends and tell them. He had to send text messages, amen? And uh, there, was, there was no way for him to be able to express his great excitement. And all that was because he didn't trust. And so we see here a man who has a prayer answered, but there's a problem that arose. Everything didn't make sense to his mind. He couldn't understand how, how God would do this. And, and I think if you would have asked him, Zacharias would have said, I know God can. I just don't know how God will. Kind of like Abraham and Sarah when Sarah laughed. It's not that she didn't think God could, but, but how could he really in this situation in my life? And God wants us to be there sometimes. I know he can. But will he for me? God brought Zacharias right up to this place. God can, but will he? We see a prayer answered. We see a problem that arose. Then we see a power that's acknowledged. The angel tells him some things about this baby, and and this is going to be a special uh, child. This isn't just any child. The Bible tells us, verse 15, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. And so he's going to go on with this. Here we see this power that is acknowledged. God's power is going to rest on this child, even before he's born, because this is the forerunner of Christ. This is the one who has been also promised. This is the one who is the final, if we can put it this way, the final of the Old Testament prophets. He is the last one. He is the one who's preparing the way. He's the one who's rolling out the red carpet and he is explaining and exposing who the Messiah is. He's the one who's going to get to say, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What a declaration. He's going to do all of that. 
And God tells Zacharias this from the very get-go. This is all what's going to happen. My power is going to rest on him. Man, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful as a parent to know my, children's, my child is going to have the power of God resting on him all of his life? Wouldn't it be something to know as we go and do the work of God and as we labor for him in this world that the power of God is just resting on us? I'm glad we can have that. We can know that, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but man, to just have it from even before we're born that God has promised and he's, he's guaranteed that his power is going to rest on this child. We see the power that is acknowledged, and then we see the plan that is accomplished. God accomplished his own plan by his own power. He said, Zacharias, fear not, but Zacharias did, and he questioned. But you know, Zacharias' questioning, it did not in one iota damage the plan of God. Because God's plan was done according to God's power. Zacharias had to pay some some difficulty there. Zacharias went through a, a trying time, but Zacharias did not hinder or impede the plan of God. You know, we can hinder the blessings of God in our life, but God's plan is going to be according to God's word. He will accomplish what he's going to accomplish. And so we see here in Zacharias a man who really he only hurt himself by not just trusting God. He was a man who came to a place that God said, Zacharias, trust me. Zacharias, don't fear when my plan seems too big, when my plan seems too hard, when what I've asked you to do seems too difficult. Zacharias, fear not, just trust me. Hey, Joseph, when you're hurt by the world and when your life is a shambles and everything seems to be falling apart, fear not. Just trust me. The third person that this was said to, we see again in Luke chapter 1, but over in verse number 30 now. And the angel said unto her, that's Mary, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. When you're worried, I think perhaps with Mary as much as anything when you're worried about what everyone else is going to think. Can you imagine? Mary really responds very well to this news. You're going to have a child. You're never going to know a man. She asked a few questions. She said, okay, be it unto me. That's fine. Whatever. Whatever God's plan is, I'm willing to do it. She has great faith. She's trusting the Lord. She has a a sweet-spirited response. What a godly young lady. But you can imagine what she must start thinking. You know, nobody else got to hear this from the angel. Joseph didn't hear this. More than anyone else, I'm concerned about what he's going to think because I do love him. And Joseph's going to think that I've been out messing around. How am I going to convince him? No, an angel showed up the other night, and this is really all from the Holy Spirit, and really it's a, this is just the plan of God, and I am the one person in all the world for all time that will ever have a baby born of a virgin. Okay. Good story. How do you convince him? What about our parents? Probably God-fearing Jewish people. They're going to think some things. What about all of our friends around town? I mean, nobody is going to understand. Nobody's going to get it. They're all going to think that while she was betrothed, while she was legally married, that she went around and was adulterous. And for Mary, there must have been concerned about this. There there must have put pressure on her, and she must have had some weight that bore on her shoulders of what everyone else is going to think in the midst of this. 
But she's told, fear not. And I see, first of all here, uh, if you look back up just a couple of verses, verse 28, we see something similar. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, now notice this, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Verse number 30, notice again, the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. I see, number one, there's no reason, there's no need for fear when you have God's favor. He said, but if I go this Christmas, Pastor, and I uh, begin to tell the people in my family, they just gather for presents, and we have some lost people in our family, and probably most of us do, and, and if it's a setting like that, Thanksgiving and Christmas and all these times, and, and I'm sitting here telling them about their need for Christ, do you know what they're going to think? Do you know how they're really going to respond? Sometimes it's uh, true, the most difficult place to really try to tell people about the Lord is our own families. Even though we love them the most, we also have to deal with them when they get upset about things. Sometimes it's hard and we're convinced they're not going to be interested. And, and maybe we've talked to them in the past and made them a little upset. All of a sudden we start saying, but do you know what they're going to think? Do you know if I go around this Christmas and I'm just telling everybody about Jesus and the reason for this? They're going to think I'm one of those weirdo Christian people that's just always trying to convince everybody all the time and talk to me. I mean, do you really realize what people are going to think? And here we find, if you have God's favor, if you are a child of the king, then you have his favor, at least to some extent. Maybe you're not right with him and you need to get right with him, but the reality is his favor is available for every person in this room. If you've never been saved, you can have God's favor. He has loved you. He's given you his favor. He's died for you. That you can come to know him for all of eternity. So we can have God's favor. And then what happens? I have no reason to fear. Hey, if nobody else in the whole world likes me, that's okay because I have a friend who's closer than a brother. And I can learn to let, let all of my worth be found in him, and that's where it needs to be anyway. And, and so I don't need others to, uh, to make me feel good about myself. I need Christ, and my confidence is in him. Thou that art highly favored. And thou that art, we could maybe say it, greatly loved. What a great blessing. What a great benefit to be highly favored. By the way, let me just help you with one thing real quick. If you say, well, what are people going to think this Christmas? If I walk into Walmart and I go around telling everybody about the Lord and all this kind of stuff, what are they going to think? I'll help you with how to hand out tracts. There's a process to it. You say, I've never handed out an invitation to church. I'm scared to death to do it. Here's how you start. Go into a bathroom in Walmart, wash your hands, pull out a tract, drop it on the counter and walk away. You say, what's going to happen? Someone might throw it in the trash. They might, but I can tell you stories of people that have picked that up and ended up getting saved. So start there. Don't even talk to anyone. And then step number two, this is the best step. Here's what you do. You go up to somebody in Walmart and you say, hi, here. You say, they'll think I'm weird. Yeah, but they got the gospel. Amen? And so praise the Lord. And then you go up to somebody and you say, Hi, my name is Brian Schaefer. I go to Eagle Heights Baptist Church. Just wanted to give you an invitation to our church. Have a good day. And you walk a little slower. And before long, you'll be able to walk up and say, Hey, I'm Brian Schaefer. I go to Liberty Heights Baptist Church. Just wanted to give you an invitation to our church. Do you go to church anywhere? You know, we'd sure love to have you come and visit. We'd love to be a blessing if we ever could. And you know, the reality is all I'm doing is just being a friend. Showing myself that I'm just inviting someone. You say, it's hard to invite them. Okay, start with just drop a track and run. Uh, be a little undercover. That's okay at first. And get used to the fact that actually God may use that. You know, it's an amazing thing 
when you just drop a track on a calendar and run as fast as you can and hope nobody thinks you're too weird. And a couple weeks later, somebody shows up at church. And you say, hey, how, who invited you to church? I was just at Walmart, and I found this laying on the counter. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, somebody goes, wow, it worked. Now, there might have been 52 of us that did that, but you can think it was yours, amen? And praise the Lord for that. So we see here, Mary, hey, if you have God's favor, invite people, talk to people, explain to them the reason for the season. It really is Jesus. There really is a reason we celebrate. It's really not Xmas. It really is Christmas. And the word mas, it means a celebration or a festival. It's a festival. It's a celebration that we hold every year, really for a month, that we are just celebrating Christ. And the world wants to cross him out, uh, but the truth of it is, this ought to be for a Christian, this is Christ Moss. This is his celebration. We are celebrating his life, and it's a thrilling time. It's a wonderful time, and it's a time where there are doors of opportunity that are open like no other time of the year to be able to talk to people and tell them about our great Savior, and that he came to this earth, and that he was born as a baby, so that one day he could grow up and go die on a cross and save them from their sin. What a joy. What an opportunity that we have. Mary, there's no need for fear when you have God's favor. Secondly, Mary, there's no need for fear when you understand God's faithfulness. Look down at verse number 37. The angel speaking to her, he says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. What a study you can do just on the, the times where it's said that with God nothing is impossible. What a truth here for Mary. Hey, Mary. This is the work of God. Maybe you say, this Christmas, I have family. I've tried witnessing to them. I've tried talking to them. They've gotten upset. I mean, what if God never does it? They never get saved. They have an option of that. But don't let it be because we gave up on them. Keep going. With God, nothing is impossible. This last week, I received a text from a friend of mine. He is in Dayton, Ohio. His name's uh, Jeremiah, and he sent me a text. And he said, uh, hey, uh, I, I have a man who's dying. He's apparently very near the end of his life. He's in a hospice area up in Oregon, Ohio. It's close to Toledo. Could you swing by there and visit him, or do you know anybody who might be able to? I said, well, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get that name over. It's about 30, 35 minutes from us, but our church, uh, Liberty Baptist Church, about five, four years ago planted a church in Oregon. And so I called the uh, church planter over there, and uh, we're good friends. And I said, hey, Brother McCourt, how are you today? And we talked for a few minutes, and he said, uh, so what did you actually call for? I said, I'm glad you asked. And I said, well, I just wanted to uh, pass this name over, and this man's at this facility, and, and uh, would you be able to, to swing over there and visit him? It's a friend of mine down in Dayton. And he said, oh, yeah, I know him. And so uh, we talked for a few minutes. He said, well, I'm just heading out to make some visits. I'm going to be right over in that area anyway. I'll swing by there. So about 10, 15 minutes later, I got a text. I'm walking in now. So I text back to Jeremiah and Dayton. I said, hey, he's walking in now, just so you know to pray. And he sent me back and he said, hey, let me just tell you the whole story, since this is uh, kind of where we're at. And, and he's heading there. He said, there's actually a man who lives in North Carolina, who's the brother of this man who lives in Oregon, uh, Ohio. And this man who lives in North Carolina, uh, his brother just went into hospice and he doesn't have long to live. And he went to his pastor and he said, pastor, my brother's in uh, the, the hospice. He's in uh, hospice in Oregon. He doesn't have long to live. He's 80 some years old. I've tried to witness to him. I think he's getting close, but I just can't get him there on the phone. 
And his pastor said, well, I have a friend in Ohio. Let me, call, or let me text him. And he texts my friend in Dayton who texts me, uh, who called then Brother McCourt so that Brother McCourt, the right person at the right time, could go into that room. And in about an hour and 15 minutes later, I got a text message. Hey, he received Christ as his Savior. He's going to call his brother in a little while and let him know. What an exciting thing. But you know, I couldn't help think somewhere along the line over those 80 years, that brother in North Carolina probably thought it's impossible. There's no way. He's in hospice now. It's been 80-some years that uh, we've known each other. Been who knows how many of those I've been trying to win him to Christ. I mean, really, what are the odds? But with God, nothing is impossible. And God says to Mary, Mary, when you have God's favor, there's no need for fear. Don't worry about what others may think. Just be faithful. Hey, Mary, uh, there is no need for fear when you understand God's faithfulness. He is faithful. He's the one who does the work. You just be the faithful messenger. You just do what God has for you to do. I'll take care of all the rest. And so we see that God says to Mary, when you're worried about what everyone else will think, or the picture, when you're worried about what everyone else will think, fear not. Then number four, Luke chapter 2 now, and we'll begin in verse number 8. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. You know, here we find the fourth group now the others are individuals this a group a group of shepherds these shepherds were not just any shepherds most shepherds would not be out in the field at this time of the year it's cold it's dark early uh, would not be the time of year that you're out in the field and in order to be out in the field from what i've studied from what i can understand these would have been very specific shepherds these would have been the shepherds who watched over the temple flock the temple flock was out in the field because uh, they had to watch it, they had to prepare it, because at the very early part of the spring, uh, right around our Easter time, of course, would be the day of Passover. And this flock, these lambs, had to be prepared for the Passover. So these shepherds are out here in this field, and they're out, no other shepherds really in the fields, but just them, and on a very dark night, for the purpose of having these sheep getting prepared for that day. These are the temple shepherds. These are the ones who watch over the sacrificial lambs. And now, God comes to them. The skies light up, of course, with the angels. First there's one, then there's multitude. Uh, the, all of this takes place because God is going to bring those who watch over the sacrificial lambs so that they can come and symbolically look over, watch over the sacrificial lambs. And the picture is, I believe, being drawn by God that this is the Lamb of God which is going to take away the sin of the world. I'm not trying to read anything in. I'm just saying I believe it's very, uh, it, it would have been unique that they were out here at this time outside of that. So now God is going to come and he's going to bring these shepherds to look over the Lamb of God. And I believe that these shepherds could picture maybe this morning when God asks you to do more than you ever imagined doing, fear not. They got up that morning expecting to spend another stinky day in a field watching over stinky sheep. That's all they intended to do. They're probably getting ready for bed now. It's dark. Intending to go to bed and hopefully not get woken up by wolves trying to eat their stinky sheep. I mean, there's really nothing special about the day. There's nothing overly special about the job. There's been a group of shepherds watching over the temple lambs this time of year out in the field for 
millennia, and they're just the next in line. All they intend to do is watch dumb, stinking sheep. Nothing special. And all of a sudden, an angel comes. And all of a sudden, God says, no, no, today's different. You're not just watching over those sheep. I want you to come and see the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. Way beyond all they imagined for the day, amen? Way beyond what they imagined a few moments earlier. Is it any wonder they said, let's go see? <laughs> hey, if God's invited us to this birth, uh, let's go see it. Let's go find out. Let's go, let's go look at what's taking place. There's a thrill that comes. But in this moment, God has just taken them from shepherds watching over sheep, probably multiple days since they've had a bath or anything of that nature. Uh, it's not a pleasant condition necessarily. They're cold. The sheep are uh, most likely cold. I mean, it's just, they're just in the field. And God has just taken them from bored and watching over sheep and nothing special in life to doing way beyond all they ever asked or imagined. You know, sometimes in life, God brings us to that place and he says, now here's what I want you to do. You haven't even, haven't even contemplated anything like this. But I want you to take a step. I want you to do more than you ever even thought possible. I'm going to use you in ways that you never comprehended were even remotely in the, in the plans or the goal. I'm going to do things. You haven't set the goal. You haven't planned it or prepared it. But I'm using you for it because I chose to. And it's way beyond what you ever planned. And when we get there, we have to say, I don't have to fear. Because when we get there, we start saying, but what if it doesn't work? What if I take this big leap? It's not just a step of faith. I'm leaping way beyond what I ever imagined. And what if I fall flat on my face? <laughs> then what's going to happen? Then what's everybody going to say? Now look at the condition. God says, fear not. Trust me that I will use you for more than you imagined. What do you imagine God using you for this Christmas season? What have you, have you taken some time to sit down and say, what would God's desire, God's plan be for me to accomplish over these next three or four weeks? As we come through the rest of this time of holidays, Christmas, New Year, what, what would God want me to accomplish? It's a natural time for us to sit down as we come up to a new year and uh, especially that week between Christmas and New Year's to just sit and start to contemplate some of uh, 2020. What does God want me to do in 2020? What are the plans that he would have for me? What's the direction that he has and, and what goals would he have me to set? Somebody said, if you never set any goals, you'll hit them every time. And it's good to have uh, some thought. Where are we going? What are we going to accomplish for, for God this next year as a family? What am I going to accomplish for God this next year as an individual? Uh, what do we want to see God do in our children? If you have, I mean, just to start contemplating and, and let God bring you to some goals that you can set. And, and if you don't hit the goals, but you move further than you would have, then that's a success. And so now, what would God want us to do? But as you consider that, you may get into the middle of 2020 and all of a sudden God says, this is what you thought the plan and the goals were, but I want to do this. And we go, but, but Lord, this was my goal. That's what we naturally do, don't we? Because we made the plan. And when we made the plan, we want to work the plan we made. And God says, no, 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 throw that out and let me do this. And we say, but Lord, I'm a little scared to try this. This is what I thought I could handle. This is what I thought I could do. 
And this is fearful. So he says, like he did to these shepherds, fear not. I know it's way beyond all that you ever planned for. But fear not, because I am the doer of the work. I am the one who will do it through you. And if you'll just trust me and if you'll just go, I'll do more than you ever imagined. This Christmas, we don't have to fear because we know Christ is our Savior. This Christmas, we don't have to fear because we know that if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling inside of you. He's the one who empowers and works. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, uh, preacher, you've talked about uh, being able to know these things. You've talked about not fearing. And maybe even this morning you'd say, I'm in one of those categories. There are some areas where my life has been shaken and there are some things where my world just doesn't seem to be what I thought it should be and what I thought it would be even. There are some areas where I'm really struggling and, and I'm here this morning and I don't really know at this point maybe uh, who's first time and not and all that kind of stuff. And maybe you say, this is the first time I've ever been here. Maybe you've been here a few times uh, or several times, been here for years, but you've never come to the place where you know for sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Can I just say to you this morning, you really can't take this message and say, well, I'll just fear not. But rather, there's a reason for fear. Because if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There's only one road that leads to heaven, that's Jesus. And if you have never received Jesus as your personal Savior, then this morning you can't say, well, I'll fear not. Rather, you have to say, or you ought to say, I am in fear, in fear of being separated from him in hell for all of eternity. Can I just say to you this morning, there's nothing that we would enjoy more, nothing that would be more exciting than not to give you our opinion, but to tell you what God says from his word, how for all of eternity you can fear not, how to know Jesus is your savior. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I've made that decision, but there's some fear in my life. There's some areas I'm struggling and I'm having a hard time with being able to just be faithful to the Lord and trust him in these areas. Maybe it's as simple as just getting into the Bible, but maybe it's something that you need to go and talk to your pastor and say, Pastor, I need some help in this. I need some help with uh, being able to trust the Lord in these things, and I'm struggling with it. And what a joy to be able to take and say, let me help you with how to fear not and live the joyful, confident Christian life, not confident in my ability, but confident in the Lord Jesus Christ. The life of faith is a life of confidence. It's a life of joy. And this morning, there's no reason for any Christian, we cannot have that confidence. We cannot have that joy. No matter our situation, no matter our circumstance, we can come this morning to the Christmas story and say, I can live without fear this Christmas season and as we go into a new year, 2020. Are you living that way? And if not, what decision do you need to make so you can start living that way? Heads about, eyes are closed. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for the goodness of your word. We thank you for the application it makes to our lives. We love you. We thank you for it. Father, this morning, I pray that you'd help us to be responsive now to how you've spoken in our hearts and to our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Heads are bowed.